Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest. This is the Tuesday edition where we talk with you about the Bible and its relevance for today, every Tuesday at 2. My name is Justin Dobbs. Let me invite you to interact with us live. You can go to the live chat on YouTube. We'll be watching that throughout our discussion today. But if you have other questions or comments after our discussion and you'd like to hear us talk about some specific uh, Bible passage or a spiritual topic, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on our website, BibleQuest.tv. We want to talk with you about your questions and concerns in your journey to know the Lord and His Word. Uh, today we have with us Scott Smelser, looking all dapper today. How are you, Scott? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Justin? <laughs> doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, today we've got a, a different topic. We've been working through Proverbs, uh, but you wanted to look at something very specific for us. Do you want to let us know what we're going through today? Yeah. I want us to talk about Abba Father. And so we've got a PowerPoint that we're going to be looking at here. Um, Sunday, we sang the song, Abba Father. That's a really beautiful song. I like that song. Uh, if you're familiar with in Galatians, where it talks about our being adopted as sons and also in Romans. And so that's what we want to talk about. Uh, there we go. There's the PowerPoint. So Abba Father. This phrase occurs three times in the New Testament. That's the next slide. So Jesus in the garden said, we have in Mark chapter 14, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And then twice in Paul's letters, and these are very, very parallel sections. There's a lot of similarities between Galatians 3 and 4 and Romans 8. Uh, and one of those numerous similarities is this uh, reference to adoption as sons and receiving the spirit or God sent the spirit in our crying Abba Father. Next slide. And so we want to talk about this, a really beautiful concept, but we also want to look at this as a study in overstatement. Uh, this happens a lot in biblical studies. Somebody will see something and then they will overstate it. It's it's what Luther did. Um, but then people over went farther after Luther with what they thought Luther meant. And we're going to see that as well here. So this is kind of going to kind of be a study in overstatement and repetition and the danger of just repeating things that we've heard. But before we get into that, we want to just notice the biblical teaching on this wonderful privilege of being adopted as children of God. We, you know, little specks here in the universe um, who have sinned against God, being able to have this relationship and adopted as sons and daughters. So, Justin, why don't you go over some of the things here on this next slide for us? Yeah, so a number of times, it's fascinating to me, if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus um, constantly calls God Father, but doesn't just call him Father for his own sake, but teaches us to call him Father. So as he teaches us to pray in Matthew 6, he says, pray then like this, our Father. Uh, to, to the Jews, they're used to thinking of God as a shepherd or king, um, and maybe Father in some national sense, but as an individual, this is pretty radical. Uh, Jesus telling us to call the creator father. Uh, Ephesians 1 is one of my favorites um, where we have been adopted. We're not naturally born children uh, in some sense, 
uh, I think Acts 17 does say that we are all God's children in the sense that he created us, right? You know, Adam is the son of God uh, in Luke. But, uh, but here, because we have gone after Satan and we are, because of our evil deeds, children of Satan, uh, we needed to be purchased back and cleansed and remade to be like uh, God the Father. And so we've been adopted uh, and we have an inheritance with him. Uh, and because of that, of course, in Hebrews 2, verse 11, Matthew 12, um, because God is our Father and Jesus is God's Son, uh, we, we get to say that Jesus is our brother, uh, which is just... He's not ashamed to call us brothers. Wow. That's powerful. Wow. Yeah. Very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, and you can just keep working through here, Matthew 7, uh, recognizing that God is, you know, God is a good Father. And I think sometimes when we think of God as Father, that may strike different people differently depending on the kind of relationship you have with your earthly father. Um, some people don't have a good dad. Uh, and so to think of God as Father, is he an abusive uh, kind of Lord? Is, is he the kind of person who is going to abandon you, make promises that he won't keep? Uh, Jesus says, you know, your heavenly Father is a good Father and he knows how to give good things to those who ask him, Matthew 7, verse uh, 11. Um, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18 says, therefore go out from their midst, be separate from them, says the Lord, touch no one can thing, then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you, you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Of course, this is a quotation from the Old Testament. It's not just a New Testament idea, uh, but it certainly fulfills in the new. Uh, Hebrews 12, um, I'm a dad, you're a dad, uh, you're a granddad, um, but the idea that there's an authority yeah. that we wield as fathers uh, for the good of our children, we're supposed to discipline them and bring them up, God does the same for us, and much more, uh, he's, he's a father of spirits, and so he, he trains us and teaches us, uh, disciplines us when we need it. Uh, and then um, Luke 15 pictures us as either the son who has um, uh, taken our father's inheritance for granted and gone off in the sin or taken our father's love for granted yeah. um, and uh, forgotten our father uh, and treated him more like a master-servant relationship. The idea is that God is pictured as the father who kind of recklessly loves his children, almost in a, a scandalous way. He rushes out to have compassion on those who, who repent and return. So God as a father is something that we should truly treasure. Uh, so the idea that we get to call him Abba uh, is a really, really beautiful and I think unique thing amongst religions. And the, the phrase father isn't used in the following text I'm about to say, but in Hebrews where it talks about after the death of Christ with the veil removed, being able to boldly go before the throne of God, and yet with reverence, and we're going to see that as well. So there's the Father's compassion, backing up just a little bit. Uh, so from the bottom of that, there's the Father's compassion upon his children that he loves, the respect for the Father and the discipline that comes from the Father and the respect that the children must show there, the uniqueness of it, the dependence. Um, on prayer, uh, I think we're going to see that maybe the uh, the references to God being the Father is not as radical as it's sometimes said. 
there's certainly, I think, more said about that in the New Testament than the Old Testament, but we'll be looking at some details on that. So let's proceed now to the next slide. Um, so as I said, I want you to consider this not only for the information we can learn about this relationship, this great relationship that we're offered by the grace of Christ and the love of God and his compassion to be God's people and he be our God and us be sons and daughters of God, to also understand the significance of Abba Father, but also to understand what happens when we overstate something and then other people overstate something and it gets repeated. So that's what's also going on here kind of in the background. Let's go to the next slide. And just an example of that kind of overstatement, you mentioned Luther. Um, maybe an example, we talk about being saved by grace. Yeah. And, and, and we are. Uh, yeah. I, I, when I, as I was growing up, and maybe it wasn't so much people who were preaching it this way, maybe I caught on this way, uh, you always had to kind of, um, you know, give a caveat. We're saved by grace, but that doesn't mean, the Bible says we're saved by grace in Ephesians chapter 2. And so we almost swing from one direction to the other. Uh, we are saved by grace through faith, faith and mean obedience. And so we sort of get caught in this. Is that, is that kind of what you mean here with this overstatement? Is we make a statement like we have to correct it? Our works don't redeem us. It's grace. It's all grace that through which our sins are paid for. But there are conditions, and some of those conditions include our responses. <clears throat> but Luther, in emphasizing faith, which is emphasized in Romans, Luther inserted the word only. He put in Romans 3 in his German Bible, faith alone. That's the German word for alone. And then people start saying, oh, well, since we're saved by faith only, we don't need to be baptized. And then Luther in his larger catechism is saying, no, no, you've got to be baptized. That's not our work. You have to be baptized. But he used some reckless language that then people went further with. All right, let's move on here. Some online examples of statements that people will make about Abba Father. Uh, pious Jews would have never dared dress a God, address God as Ab, the Hebrew, or Abba, the Aramaic word for daddy. This is from a website. Let's go to the next one. Uh, now, I don't agree with the point that's being made in these. You'll see why in a minute, but I just want you to see what's often said. We call God daddy. All right, next one. Uh, hey, dad, it's me. Next. I'm a princess. How arrogant, right? I fully believe it. Abba, the king of creation, is my daddy. Next. All right, so this is R.C. Sproul. And I meant to play this clip, but when we tried right before we went on, it wasn't working. So I'm going to read you uh, what he says here. If you want to find it, you can find it. And I'll just share it with, with our audience. If you get a chance to watch this on YouTube, uh, you can see in the expert that that link does work. Uh, you can go to there and, and look that up as well with the listen. Very good. So he's going to quote the, the scholar that made this idea popular. He's also going to overstate what the scholar said. And then other people are going to overstate, I think, what he's saying. But first, let's just listen to him, and then we're going to see from Scripture and from history how true some of these claims are or are not. 
But he begins with this. He says, go with a group of Christians and listen to them pray in a home prayer meeting or Bible study. And invariably, as Christians pray out loud, one after another will address God how. They'll start their prayer by saying, Father, or our Heavenly Father. It's the most common expression that we as Christians use to address God. And why not? When our Lord taught us to pray, he said, when you pray, say what? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What could be more basic to Christianity than to address God as Father? Jehoiakim Jeremias, the German New Testament scholar, by the way, I like some of his work a lot, but he did miss something here, has done research on the prayers of the ancient Israelite people, and it's his conclusion that there is not a single example anywhere in extant Jewish literature, including the Old Testament, the Talmud, the Targums, and so on, until the 10th century AD, where a Jewish person addresses God directly as Father. That is, it simply wasn't done. People would speak of the fatherhood of God among the Jewish people, but no one would address him directly as Father. Jeremiah says, if you, says you don't find it until the 10th century AD in Italy. Yet in the New Testament, we have the record of a Jew, a Jewish rabbi, who has many prayers recorded for posterity, and that in every prayer he prayed, save one, he directly addressed God as Father, that is, Jesus Christ. What Jeremiah demonstrates is that Jesus' use of the term Father was a radical innovation, completely unheard of in Jewish literature, and what he did in his radical departure from convention, he invited his followers to be involved with. All right. Now, let's take a look and see how accurate that is. Next slide. Uh, this is from the Mishnah. Uh, the Mishnah is the teachings of the Pharisees. In the New Testament, they were still oral. Uh, the word Mishnah means repetitions. Uh, in Mark chapter 7, when Jesus' disciples didn't do the hand washing that the Pharisees wanted, what did they say to Jesus? They said, why don't your disciples follow the traditions of the elders? Yeah. They didn't say, why don't they follow scripture? Because that wasn't the issue. Scripture doesn't say that you had to do that. Scripture said, if you touched a dead body, you had to do that. But it didn't say this. But the Pharisees believed part of God's word was in the scripture and part of God's word was in their oral traditions. In fact, they taught that when God gave Moses the law, or at least this is what has been taught since in Pharisees coming on down to Orthodox Judaism today, they teach that when God gave Moses the law, he gave them two halves of it. One half, he had him write it down. The other half, he said, don't write this down, tell it to Joshua. And then Joshua told it to another guy. He told it to another guy. He told it to another guy. Went through 40 generations until Rabbi Judah the Holy wrote it down in 190 AD. Go ahead, Justin. That, that sounds a lot like uh, claims by Catholicism. Exactly. Where it's like we've got this oral tradition. Exactly. Like say, well, book, chapter, verse. And they go, well, no, 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 no. You misunderstand. It's the oral tradition. Exactly. So I've, I've got a chart where I have the Jewish claims and the Catholic claims, and they're just the same claim. Uh, so the myth when Rabbi Judah the Holy writes it down in 190 AD about, that's the Mishnah. And there's a whole chapter on hand washing. But look at some statements from the Mishnah. 
upon whom there is there for us to rely? Upon our Father in heaven. Uh, here's another from the Mishnah. Uh, pious men would wait one hour and then pray and focus their hearts toward their Father in heaven. Next slide. Uh, Joachim Jeremiah and the emphasis on child language intimacy. Next slide. Fact checker, this is from online. Does Abba mean daddy? This origin of this understanding is generally traced to the German, notable German Lutheran New Testament scholar, uh, I'm just going to say Jehoiakim Jeremiah, it's easier for me, who in 71 new text of New Testament theology explained that Abba was the chatter of a small child. Now, Jeremiah didn't use the word daddy, but his popularizing of this idea, which can also be found a reference to this idea of children's talk, can be found also in, in uh, I think, Kittle, but Jeremiah is one that popularized this idea. He said it was a children's word used in everyday talk and seemingly disrespectful, un indeed unthinkable, to the sensibilities of Jewish Jesus contemporaries to address God with that word. While Jeremiah did not use the word daddy, the implication was strong and others came along and make that connection. But other Hebrew and New Testament scholars have taken exception. And so you have uh, Shelbert, uh, who wrote a 1981 essay in, 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 uh, about this, and, and some other guys. And click on this to underline some of this text, I think. Nope, it's not going to do it. Okay, back up one. Sorry. Back one up more. Let me get the bottom of, yeah, one more. Uh, now one more. There we go. In the so Shelbert pointed out, so when the Aramaic scholars did not agree with what Jeremiah said, in fact, they said it was in error and unwarranted. And here's one of the reasons why in the Aramaic language at the time of Jesus, there was no other word than Abba available if Jesus wished to speak or address God as Father. Naturally, such speaking and addressing would lose its special character if it's the only form. Point being. Abba is what children called their father. Abba is what adults called their father. So coming up to this one. Uh, oh, back up one. Yeah, here we go. Back up one more. Uh, okay, this is back up one more. There we go. This is from Oxford. Back up one more. All right. Oxford Journals, Oxford University Press, uh, uh, well-reputed scholar James Barr. Eighty eighty said, one often reads, and I myself believed at one time that when Jesus spoke to his heavenly father, he took up the chatter of a small child. Next slide. He says, they are the same words as those used by adults, completely identical. Even if Abba originated as a word of children, by Jesus' time, it was a word of adults just as much. And Jeremiah, in some of his writings, I think maybe some of his later writings, for sure, if not earlier, admitted that. All right, continue. Next slide. All right, here we go. This is R. Herbert. What it really means. Jeremiah suggested that the Aramaic word likely originated from children's babble. Now, scholars actually disagree whether or not that may or may not be the case. It's, it's not a certain thing. Um... And then this has been popularized in lots of sermons so that so many people have heard. 
that Abba meant daddy in New Testament time was not accepted by most biblical scholars, especially the experts in Aramaic. And he quotes here uh, Burmese, Barr, and, and Shelbert. Some of those lines are off a little bit. It, then at the bottom, it says, back in the 70s, the Aramaic specialties and other scholars rejected the idea. Jeremiah backpedaled considerably on his original position, but it was too late to get it all back in the box. And he continued to emphasize part of it. All right, next slide. We'll get past some of these quotes. Now let's start looking at some facts. Next slide. Old Testament, New Testament. Is there more emphasis on God as Father in the New Testament? Yes. Yeah. But it's also absolutely in the Old Testament. Secondly, Abba usage. Do Jewish children call their daddy Abba? Yes. But in the time of Jesus, it wasn't just used by children. It was also, and it wasn't just used of dads. It was also an authoritative term, as we're going to see. Next slide. All right. References to God as Father in the New Testament. Um, is not he your father who created you? Deuteronomy 32. He shall cry to me. Remember in Romans and Galatians, we cry, Abba, Father. He shall cry to me. You are my father. Psalm 89. How, how can Sproul say there's not any uh, Jew addressing God as his father anywhere in Jewish writing? He shall cry to me. You are my father. Solomon, uh, he shall be my son. I will be his father. Uh, Isaiah, you are our father. Uh, Isaiah 64, oh Lord, you are our father. Jeremiah 3, 4, have you not just now called me my father? And that's what Jeremiah said they didn't do. They didn't address him as my father. But right here you have it. Jeremiah three nineteen. I thought you would call me my father. I am a father to Israel. And of course, the, the rebuke in Malachi, if a son honors his father and a servant his master, if I'm a father, where's my honor? And Malachi 2, have we not all one father? So God being the father and addressed as the father was a Jewish thing. Go ahead. Well, and some of these, they seem national or like the one in Psalm 89, very particular to the Messiah, referring okay. to David, but but even Deuteronomy thirty-two, uh, that that should have been the thought of every individual Israelite who'd been delivered from Egypt is this is the God that I'm going to serve because He created me, He's my Father, and so by the very fact that they were delivered from bondage gives them this new identity as God's children. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. All right. Let's continue. Um. The names of Israelites. Ab was the older Hebrew word for father, uh, like Abner was the son of Ner. Abner. Uh, well, yeah, I gotta say, I gotta say that is that is the one of the funniest ones to me. Like his name means my father is Ner, yeah. the son of Ner. <laughs> so if you go to go to like a meet and greet and get one of those stickers, my name is my name is my father is Ner. My name. <laughs> All right, so Abijah means whose father is Jehovah. Joab, Joab, whose father is Jehovah. Eliab, whose father is God. So personal people with a name recognizing God as their father. Next slide. Uh, Abba usage. 
Even today, Jewish children call their daddy Abba, and back then they did. But look at this. This is Abba Arika. Arika. So he is one of the Pharisees, who one of the rabbis, who took the Mishnah and started turning it into the Talmud or the Talmud. And he was known as Abba. Next slide. There are a bunch of references to Abba in the Mishnah. A number of quotations from Abba Shal, also from Abba Guryan, Abba Gurya is referred to, Abba Jose Ben Hanan, Abba Yose Halakorfi, Kofri, Abba Saul Hat Bet Helal, and Abba Eliezer. This is why, backing up, oh yeah, in Abba the blood letter mentioned in, in, the, in the Talmud, um, surgeon. They're not saying daddy the blood letter. Uh, back up to the previous slide. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 23. Everybody knows that Jesus said, don't call man on earth your father. You have one father who is in heaven. And we often quote that with reference to what? Roman Catholic priests. Right. The, the, the potter, the pope. Uh, yeah. And this is just like what you pointed out before. The Roman Catholicism has repeated the oral tradition mistake of the Pharisees. Roman Catholicism has repeated the father title of the Pharisees. But when Jesus was rebuking them in Mark 7, it also rebukes what the Catholics do. And Matthew 23 rebukes what the Catholics do. But he was not speaking directly of the Catholics there. He was talking about the Pharisees. And that's the same thing in Matthew 23. Matthew 23 is, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Don't be like the scribes and Pharisees. Don't call these leaders father. Because they did. Now, in in Greek, it says pater, pater. Uh, but Jesus didn't speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic. The Gospels are written in Greek. I'm not saying Jesus couldn't speak Greek, but it's natural languages we're going to see is Aramaic. And he, what he's talking about is the way they called Pharisees Abba. So probably in Matthew 23, he's saying, don't call these religious leaders Abba. You have one who's in heaven. And he probably said, you have one Abba who's in heaven. So look at all these Pharisees that were known as Abba. This is a title of authority here. All right, let's continue. So starting to look here, uh, this is the Greek behind each one. Abba ho pater, Abba ho pater, and Abba ho, ho pater. All right, let's go to the next slide. The Gospel of Mark. What's unusual about the Gospel of Mark in Aramaic? Uh, well, he he will sometimes throw out Aramaic phrases that Jesus used, um, particularly with Mark 14. I think he's the only one who uses this Abba here. That is exactly right. So, and it's not the only time in Mark that he does it. For instance, the first one, click there. Okay, so what does he say to the little girl? When he took the little girl's hand, if, if we could go back in time and have a video camera with sound in the house there of Jairus, would we have heard English words, little girl arise? 
No. Would we have heard Greek words that mean that? No. Even though Mark writes in Greek, little girl arise, that's not what Jesus said. If we had a video camera running back then, what would we have heard Jesus actually say come out of his mouth? Which is what language? And then Mark translates that into Greek. And our uh, English translators translate the Greek into English. Now, this is a very simple concept, but I want all of our listeners to make sure they get this. You don't hear Jesus say the English words, little girl, if you were there. You don't hear him say the Greek words, little girl, if you were there. You heard him say the Aramaic words, talakakumi. Then Mark tells his Greek audience what that means in Greek, and we have that translated to English. All right, next. All right, healing this guy. Yeah, this is the one I don't want to pronounce because it's really Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was hoping you'd pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. So be open is easier to pronounce. The Greek for be opened would be easier to pronounce, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say English words here. He didn't say Greek words here. He said the Aramaic here. Something like that. And then he translates that into Greek. All right, next slide. Jesus is praying. He doesn't use the English word father. He used the Aramaic word Abba. Next slide. On the cross as he's dying, if you'd been standing there, Mary standing there, Mary Magdalene standing there, they did not hear English words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They didn't hear Greek words, you know, theos, theos. They would have heard in the Bible, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Go ahead. And what's interesting, I, I think this is the only time we hear Jesus reference God in prayer and not use the term Abba, not use the term Father. Oh, that may be. He's quoting from Psalm 22. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think quoting, he's quoting, he's referencing, he is embodying Psalm yeah. 22, uh, but he's referring to the Father as God here, and it's a direct callback to Psalm 22. And he gives the opening line of a song that a lot of people knew. All right, next, next slide. In the garden, this is really interesting to think about. In Matthew's gospel, it has the Greek words for my father, if it be possible. And so click to show what the Greek is there. Pater mu. All right. That's what Matthew says. In Luke, pater. In Mark, Abba, ho pater. Now, so Jesus in the garden addressed the Father and said, if it's possible, if you're willing, let this cup pass from me. Do we expect that Jesus, who routinely... Oh, and by the way, before we read that little yellow part, notice, Matthew doesn't say that he doubled it, Abba Father. Luke doesn't say he doubled it, Abba Father. Only Mark has Abba Father. I believe that he's doing what he did in the other passages, except he didn't put the word, which means. It's a simple word, and he just gives it a familiar word. 
He just gives the meaning. Now, I could be wrong here. If somebody wants to believe differently, you're entitled to. Jesus is in agony, sweat pouring out, and he's praying. And in Jesus, who speaks Aramaic routinely, I'm not saying he couldn't speak Greek, but we know from Mark he routinely speaks Aramaic. As he's speaking in Aramaic, he addresses God, Abba. That's it, it, When Jesus taught people to pray, our Father in heaven, he would have said, Abba, because he was speaking in Aramaic. So here he says, Abba. Now, you could believe that in the middle of Jesus' Aramaic prayer, he also translated it into Greek. He's, he's talking in his native tongue, pouring out his heart to God, and says, Abba, hopater, all things are possible. But I don't think that's what he did. Next, here's what I think happened. I believe Mark is giving Jesus' actual word. He said, Abba. And then Mark gives the translation of that word. Hopater. All right, next slide. So that's what Jesus said. Abba, I believe Mark translates it for us. But in Romans and Galatians, I absolutely do believe that early Christians prayed Abba Pater. Let's read Romans 8. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Pater. Galatians 4. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Pater. What is the context, Justin, of Galatians? You have uh, these, these Judaizing teachers, right? These uh, Christians who are Jews or even some Jews who are pretending to be Christians trying to gain some power through false teaching, and they are forcing Judaism on them, Gentiles. Yeah, so you've got Jews looking down on Gentiles, telling them what the Judaizers said in Acts 15. You're not saved unless you get circumcised and follow Mosaic law. When that happened in Antioch, Paul was there to say, no, stop. But when they did it in Galatians, Paul wasn't there. And what did some of these Galatians believe? Oh, I need, I need to become a Jew. And Galatians is written to say, no, you don't need to do that. Your salvation is not through law. It's through grace in Christ. Chapter 3 in Galatians is saying you were already where you needed to be. You were already heirs with Abraham. You're already children of Abraham. You are already sons and daughters of, of God. You've been adopted, going on in chapter 4, as sons and daughters of God. You're already where you needed to be. And so we're able to cry out, Abba, Pater. What's the native tongue of the Jewish Christians? In the Aramaic. Yeah, Aramaic. Abba. What's the native tongues of the Greek-speaking Christians out there? So I meant to look this up. My, I don't know Spanish at all. But in Spanish, what's Spanish do you happen to know for our father? Uh, no, Padre. I don't know about our. But, okay. Um, so I was talking about this with, with somebody the other day. Uh, 
and they said, oh yeah, when I'm in a bilingual group and I'm praying in Spanish, I will say our father in English. And then I will say, and he pronounced the Spanish word for our father. Why does he do that? Because some of the people speak English and some of the people speak Spanish. And so he gives our father in both languages. A lot of these churches had Jews and Greeks. I mean, that's what's Romans. Let's think about Romans. What's the theme verse of Romans? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of salvation to all that believe to the Jew first and also the Greek. Yeah, the Jew first, Abba, and also the Greek. Pater. Uh, chapter one is about the Gentiles need it because they sin. Chapter two, the Jews need it because they sin. Um, chapter 11, the olive tree, they're the natural branches. The Gentiles are the ones grafted in. Jews and Gentiles are all over Romans. And he says, we've been adopted when he gets to the Holy Spirit in Romans 8 and talking about walking in step with the Spirit and everything. We've been adopted as sons. That's why we cry. Aramaic word, Abba, Greek word, pater. I believe, my opinion here, based on these two verses, early Christians absolutely did cry, Abba, pater when they came together and prayed together verbatim go ahead I, I, i'm totally on board with this i think this is helpful um and it it kind of removes the i don't know the, the feeling of irreverence perhaps um almost the the casual way we might think of god we need to think of him in a holy reverential way but father still is is intimate right oh, yeah. and sometimes we we, we over formalize father sometimes um Father can still be this this close, intimate relation. Um, but I also wonder if the context of Romans 8 in particular, uh, Romans 8 puts me back in mind of the time that Jesus said, Abba, Father, or, or Abba, Pater. Uh, and, and so looking at this, you know, Jesus is in the garden. He's suffering. Uh, he's sorrowful even unto death. And then... Um, in Romans 8, we are fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him. In Romans 8, verse 17. So there's kind of this, we're all brought into this family, Jew, Gentile. But the family is a family who suffers in order to follow Christ. And so it's this share in the family of God. So I wonder if that's part of what Paul's doing there in Romans 8. And this adoption as sons, which is a great, great, great privilege. And... And and it's it's a bilingual statement. It's uh, uh, it, it, it's not just a formal statement like father that children don't usually use, but it's not just a childish word like daddy that only children use. It was an authoritative term used by leaders of the Pharisees. It's what adults use, and what Abba Father here is. It's and you know it makes me wonder if maybe Mark might be earlier than we think. If the text of Mark had already been written um, earlier on, or the familiarity, the teaching in it, so that people were familiar with that phrase, Abba Father, because it is the same phrase. Uh, but I believe that they did verbatim cry in their prayer, Abba Pater, which is a really beautiful thing. In both in Galatians and Romans, you can see why he would bring that out. 
because in both books he's trying to show the the fellow heirs like in ephesians you know this is it, it's two he's made like in ephesians where he talked the two become one and so we're able to we're adopted as sons if you're the jew and i'm the gentile now we both as sons of god we can cry out abba pater and if you're leading the prayer you could say abba pater and the Abba is in your tongue, and I like hearing the pater, you know, that brings me in. And if I'm leading the prayer, I'm not a Jew, but I get to say Abba, pater, and the Abba brings you in, and the pater is in my native tongue. So two more clicks. You had a Jewish word and a Gentile word, because the early church was made up of Jewish believers and Gentile believers. I believe that's what's going on here. Next slide. So it's a wonderful thing. And we should pray our Father who's in heaven. And based on what we've read, the Aramaic word for Father was Abba. And so if you'd been there hearing the Sermon on the Mount, you wouldn't have heard him say, this is how to pray our Father. You wouldn't have heard the English. And you wouldn't have heard the Greek, Pater. You would have heard the Abba. We've been adopted as sons. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren. God, our Father, takes care of us. It's a unique, exalted relationship. But we, as we respected our fathers and had to accept discipline from them, we must respect our Father and accept discipline from him and be gracious for the Father's compassion, just as the uh, prodigal son received compassion. Next slide. And this one, uh, yeah, here we go. When it gets to people saying, like, sometimes you hear somebody goes to church and they're asked to lead a prayer and they say, hi, daddy. Um, I don't think that's the right lesson to learn here. Look what Peter says about if you call him his father. If you call on him as father, who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile. When I was a kid, I feared my father, respectful fear. I loved my father. I depended on my father. My father had mercy on me. I'm grateful for my father. And what a blessing it is that we're able to go to God as our heavenly father. This is super helpful. And and for those who still kind of, okay, Abba, Dada, it, the, the essential message is that the Taba means father, just father. The, the sense of closeness and intimacy, the sense of compassion, the, the short relationship, the unique and exalted status that we now have hasn't changed. But there's a good reminder here that um, this is about God. It's not about me being prince or princess. Um, the almost daddy spoiled child kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, raising, <laughs> yeah. He's he's raising sons and daughters. Yeah, you know he's he's raising men and women who are going to uh, be called to be holy as he is holy. For being disciplined that we might be. I mean, the whole point in Hebrews twelve is that we might share in his holiness. And so yeah. it's, it's a call to uh, to greatness, but he is the standard of that greatness. Yeah, it's not that wow, God loves me so much, I get to call him daddy. Yeah. That, wow, we have God as a father. We better better be holy. 
And there's the parable Jesus gave to the Jewish leaders that confronted him after he cleansed the temple. And he said, you know, they asked him a question and he, he, he said, if you answer yours, if you answer mine, they wouldn't. Then he goes, a man had two sons. So this is a father. He told both of them to go to work. One said, yes, sir, but didn't. The other said no, but then he repented and did. Which one did the will of the father? He said, well, the one that, you know, the one that obeyed. And then he said, that's why the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of heaven in front of you, because they repented. Not because they were spoiled princesses getting to call them daddy, but they respected uh, and, and, and turned to our heavenly father. Thank you, Jim. Well, thank you. We, we've had uh, some help from, uh, from Jim on YouTube today saying that uh, our father in Spanish is Padre Nuestro. I may be mispronouncing that. I remember from, from my Latin that it was Padre Noster, so I thought it might be something similar to that. Uh, so appreciate that help. Uh, and, and for those who've, who've joined in with us today, really appreciate you stopping in and helping us out. If you found this to be helpful, uh, please share it with others. We look forward to seeing you, Lord willing, uh, next week. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you.